Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Asher Marketing Podcast. Tonight's guest is Amber Owens from Indiana Tech. Amber, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. You have the distinction of being the first guest, I believe, who is our second guest from the same place, because Brian was our first mm. guest ever, and you're the second guest from Indiana Tech, so thanks for doing this. Awesome. Actually, I correct myself, you're the third guest from Indiana Tech, because <laughs> Stacy Luger Britton was on last week. Oh. So we have quite a run of Indiana Tech folks. Very nice. So, Amber, you are currently in an MBA program at, believe it or not, Indiana Tech. Yes. Tell me a little bit about how is that going? How far along are you and how are you enjoying it? I don't know if enjoying is the right word for an MBA, <laughs> but tell me a little bit about that. Uh, no, it's good. So I'm actually very, very close to the end. I'm in my last class. Okay. Three weeks left, two and a half now until right. I am done for good. Um, it's been about an 18-month journey so yeah. far. Um, obviously, when I enrolled, I didn't think that we would be in a pandemic while trying <laughs> yeah. to finish. Yeah. Um, but no, it's actually, it's not been too bad. Um, I've been in online classes before and our MBA program is online. So it's been something that I've been used to. Um, but mostly I decided to go with the MBA at Indiana Tech because I have my bachelor's degree in communications mm -hmm. and new media production, which is just a fancy way to say I studied how to make stuff for social media. Sure. Um, but this kind of gives me the business side of it. Mm -hmm. So I like to say I've got the creative communication side, but now I can also see like the higher level business organization side. So it's nice to kind of have the, the full scope. Yeah. And, and I did a similar path. I was an English major and did a master's in English. And I realized that prepared me really well for some things and not at all for mm -hmm. others. And then ended up doing the MBA, but Indiana Tech to fill in some of those same gaps. So yeah. I, I definitely feel you on that one and the need to, <laughs> to get a little bit broader base of experience. So um, is it the capstone course that you're in now? No, um, I actually took that one last session. Okay. Um, my classes got a little mixed up because some of them are only offered like odd sessions or whatnot. So I'm actually in international marketing right now. So I'm right. finishing out the marketing MBA with marketing. So okay. that's kind of a nice, nice All touch. Right. All right. Well, and you not only are a student of Indiana Tech, you are the social media manager for Indiana Tech. Mm -hmm. So tonight we're going to talk a little bit about how you got to that place, what that job is like. And then we'll talk a little bit about some of the projects you're working on. You and I have talked about your work frequently, and I know that there's challenges, there's good things, but there's also a lot of challenges that people may not realize social media managers have. So we'll talk through some of that. But let's start with your career path. So tell us, Amber, where did you grow up and how did you, what were some of the stops you made along the way to Indiana Tech? Yeah, so um, I grew up in a little town in Ohio, very, very small. Um, and moved to Indiana when I was in grade school. I kind of lived in that town until I graduated high school. Not a lot going on. It was in uh, Warsaw, which is somewhat nearby. But um, I actually didn't know what I wanted to do, mm -hmm. like a lot of kids, teenagers. Um, I was just kind of lost. And mm -hmm. so I, I graduated high school at 16 um, very early. And okay. that was another reason why I was like, this is not a time for me to decide on a career move. Sure. Had you skipped had you skipped ahead or did you start young or? Both. Okay. Um, <laughs> All right. Yeah, I started in Ohio, which their cutoff dates were a little bit different. Okay. So I was already the youngest person in my grade. So when yeah. I transferred to Indiana, I was a year behind. And then come high school, I decided to graduate early, which then put me two years kind of ahead. It was, it was very weird, but I got my diploma about eight weeks before I turned 17. Wow. So okay. I mean, my driver's license 
still had fresh ink, so I, <laughs> I wasn't ready yeah. to like make any many big choices. Yeah. Um, so I took some time off, and then I enrolled in um, a community college. I went to Ivy Tech, uh-huh. and that was probably one of the best things I could do. Mm-hmm. Um, I fell in love with communication and communications courses at Ivy Tech. I was originally an English major. Yep. Um, and I spent several years doing that. It was the thing that I'm naturally good at. I can write papers in my sleep. Yeah. Um, I actually wrote a book last year in the middle of grad school and oh, work. Wow. And I'll, it's it's mine. Like, yeah. everybody's got their one skill. I can write. So fiction, nonfiction? Fiction, yeah. Okay, all right. Um, and so after spending a lot of time doing English classes and stuff, I took a mass communications course yep. with... A woman who ended up being my mentor. Okay. Her name is Lori Rose. She still works at Ivy Tech. She's a wonderful woman. Um, and I just couldn't get enough. And yeah. it was like, this is so cool, seeing how people communicate and why they communicate the way that they do. And that just sort of kicked it off. So I transferred to Manchester University yep. where I took more media-based classes. And that was really like my selling point was getting to learn about why social media works the way that it does, why people use it the way that they do, how it evolves, why it fills certain needs versus others. Um, and then after that, I kind of knew like that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, so let me back up for just a second, because in addition to having the for- good fortune of working with Indiana Tech, Asher also works with Ivy Tech. We're big fans mm-hmm. of what Ivy Tech does. What was it that made you think Ivy Tech was going to be a good fit for you? And why was that such a good experience? Uh, it was it was a couple of things. I can't like deny that the practicality of sure. a community college was a big selling point yep. since I didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh, I saw my friends graduate high school and go right to IU or Purdue and they were spending a lot of money and they didn't, they still didn't know what they wanted to do. And so I was like, I don't, I don't know what I want to do. So I'm not ready to spend $20,000 figuring it out when I can get started here. It's close to home. I can commute. I can dip my toe in it and see if this is something that I even want to do. Cause I was never a big school person. Mm -hmm wasn't a great student in high school. Yep. Um, but when I got to Ivy Tech, I was really surprised because the Warsaw campus was small enough that I got a lot of time with my teachers. I met my mentor, Lori. Uh, I, I made connections and relationships that I don't think I would have at a four-year university. Yeah. And it really, truly felt like home. Yeah. And I started like excelling in classes and I was in the honor society and I was, I became president of the honor society and I just got really, really involved. And it gave me this sort of like purpose that I hadn't had before. Yeah. And I, again, I don't think it would have happened had I gone to a big like four year residential school. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we've found from some of the student sh- stories um, that we've had the opportunity to be involved in is that, you know, like any choice, it's not for everyone, but there are students who really find their way and go on to really great things. Yeah. So you are, are one of the first people that I ever met who actually studied social media before doing it professionally because there was a long period of time where it was, you know, learning by doing, and and I've said this before on the podcast, but, you know, Russian history majors and English majors and business majors learning social media post-college, whereas you actually studied it when you were in school. Mm -hmm. So what were some of the things that you learned in school that prepared you for what you're going to be doing professionally? Um... It was really kind of a unique approach that I had at Manchester because it wasn't just, you know, this is how people communicate online, but it really, I had a professor who looked at it um, as 
he was always looking at the why. Mm -hmm. And I will never forget one of the first media studies lessons we did was about the show Survivor Mm -hmm. and how fans of the show used social media to try and track where the show was filming. Hmm. And this is very, very early in the 2000s. And so... You know, Facebook hadn't been developed yet. I think it was a lot of, like, live journal boards and message boards and stuff. Um, And seeing that this platform that was emerging became a resource for people, and they adapted to it, but they still made it their own. And it became this sort of transformative space. And that was a really interesting take on social media because I grew up with the development of things like Zanga and MySpace. And mm-hmm. I remember, you know, setting up my Facebook page when you still had to be verified by yep. people you went to school with. Um, so learning kind of the, the grassroots of social media and then how it affected society and how society affected it. Yeah. Um, because it is kind of a give and take and it's the first sort of media channel where it is a two-way street. Yeah. Um, that was really what kind of made the difference in learning about it. It wasn't just sort of like this passive experience, but a really active participatory thing. Yeah. Yeah. The first mass media channel we've ever had where it really is, you know, owned by the users. Mm -hmm. And I I remember my first social media account was Friendster. And I remember saying, I don't know what this is, but I know it's going to change everything. I don't know how it's going to change everything, but I want to be part of it. And obviously being older than you, I was jumping in later in life, but it was kind of like, okay, I can actually go along for the ride. I don't have to watch this from a distance. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Like, obviously it's evolved even since I was studying it in college as you know, a subject, things like Snapchat were very, very different than they are now. Mm-hmm. And TikTok didn't exist. TikTok's predecessor, Musical.ly, didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Facebook was still the it platform. Yeah. MySpace was just barely going out. Yeah. Like it, it's the, the pace at which it evolves too is another thing that I find really, really interesting. And I think you and I have talked about before, like, why TikTok became popular is because it filled like a niche gap that hadn't been filled yet. Yeah. Um, and that's what I love to see. And I kind of try to approach my job in that same sort of mind space of not just what should we be doing here, but why are the people here that are looking at our stuff? Like, why are they here? What do they want? Yeah. And it's not just what we want to give them. Well, and, and being the social media manager for Indiana Tech, you've got multiple audiences that you need to meet where they are. You've mm-hmm. got the traditional student who is probably, you know, mostly going to be focused on TikTok and Snapchat and Instagram. And then you've got adult students who are going to be more Facebook, some of them, you know, on Instagram as well. But you got to know a lot about a lot in order to do your job. But I'm <laughs> yeah. sure that's something you think about every day. So am I correct that you also did some social media work as a volunteer prior to starting at Indiana Tech? Yeah. So my career path was like a little... Um, unconventional um because i went to i ended up finishing my degree at trine online okay um so i didn't do a traditional internship Mm -hmm. so i didn't get a lot of work experience in college which meant that i was kind of on my own and i ended up working for one of the orthopedic companies as like a project manager okay uh, and i was miserable (laughs) it was the worst (laughs) choice for a person like me i was 
you know, I made the best of it. It was a it was a great job to have, but creatively, I was like yeah. so. I, I had one of those jobs around the same time in yeah. my career, and I think most people who are creatively minded have that experience and don't want to go back to yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, it it taught me a lot working in like the corporate yeah. environment was really really great. I'll never like you know forget the things that I learned there, and I'm very very thankful for it. But um, I was so desperate to get. A, a shot basically yeah. that I um, saw. I was very, very interested in greyhounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and we ended up adopting a retired racing greyhound, my husband and I, when we bought our house mm-hmm. in 2017. And I followed the um, rescue that we worked with to get our dog. And they had a media team that they were looking for help with. And I had not been able to find any sort of foot in the door mm-hmm. opportunities. Yeah. So I was like, Hey, this is what I studied. I would love to do yeah. this even if it's for free. And again, yeah. because I wasn't being very like creatively fulfilled at work, I yeah. had a lot of that energy yeah. on the side and a lot of, I would almost call it desperation to do it. Yeah. And so I signed on and I ended up doing that for about two full years, but that was really what got me my job yeah. at Indiana Tech was I could say, Hey, here's my work for an actual organization. Yeah. I'm not getting paid for it, but you can still see that I do it. And maybe that's even more of proof that like, I actually love to do it because I'm willing to do it for yeah. free. Um, well, that's yeah. a super smart thing. And that's a great example. I, I, I'm going to use that story as an example because one <laughs> of the things when I talk to college students, they'll always say, well, you know, every job wants you to have experience. How do you get experience before you get your first job? And one of the answers I've given over the years is you found you find a nonprofit that needs the thing mm-hmm. you want to do and you do it. Um, so now we have a case study yes. in that through your experience. So um, you you started at Indiana Tech, remind me, is that two and a half, three years ago? Yeah, it was in August of 2018, so August about two and a half, years ago. Okay, and you were new to higher ed. Mm-hmm. You're new to Indiana Tech. Did you know anyone in Indiana Tech, or was this all brand new? It was all completely brand new. Um, I will admit, so my mom was actually a CPS student at Indiana okay. Tech roughly like eight years prior. Got it. Um, and my impression of Indiana Tech was a lot like Ivy Tech, where I thought yep. it was just like an online thing. Yep. It was not quite a trade school, but yeah. it wasn't like a full sure. thing. And um I got sent the job posting for my current position, and I actually didn't think that I was qualified. Mm -hmm. And somebody convinced me that I should just throw my hat in the ring, why not? And uh, I told my husband about it, and he's like, oh, yeah, their campus is downtown. It's actually really nice. And I kid you not, like, I stopped in my tracks, and I was like, they have a campus? (laughs) And he was astonished that I didn't know. And so we got in the car, and he drove (laughs) me downtown, and he's like, this is Indiana Tech. And I was like, no way. And I was amazed that the university had this traditional campus for university students coming out of high school that I had no idea existed. And it was so close to my own home where I'd grown up for 10 years that it was just this completely foreign environment that I couldn't believe I'd lived so long without even recognizing that it was around. Yeah, yeah. So so not only are you new to Indiana Tech, not only are you new to higher ed, but you're the first person doing this job. There's no template. There's yeah. no predecessor. So how do you get started in that type of environment? It was uh, very much the just jump in and mm-hmm. hope you can swim sort of an environment, yeah. which I don't mind. Um, bless my supervisor, Matt. He is very... Uh, 
uh, trusting yeah. when it comes. And I'll never forget the first week they, you know, first day I, they're like, you're all the passwords, have fun. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I get started and I'm, I'm drafting up some posts and I don't know what this workflow is going to look mm -hmm. like. So I kind of scoop my computer over and I give him this caption and I'm like, Hey, does this, you know, post text look okay? Is this in line with your branding, your voice? Is this, you know, obviously I'm trying this for the first time. Yeah. So tell, please tell me if I'm off. He's like, I trust you go for it. And yeah. obviously that's kind of the gist of, of my whole job was basically, we trust you. You're the expert. Go ahead. And yeah. It was really nice because it gave me the freedom to learn at my own pace and to figure those things out on my own and not feel like I was already behind. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, that's great. And, and it really hits on something. I mean, you're, you're ringing a lot of bells in my brain because one of the things that I talk about, um, you've been, been good enough to be a guest speaker in a social media class mm -hmm. that I teach. One of the things I talk about is what skills do you need to do this job well? And I say, number one is be a good communicator. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, sorry, number two is be a good communicator. But number one is have really good judgment. Yeah. Um, because so much of it is you got to trust the person doing the job. And I say, knowing social media is important, but it's a distant third to those two things. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like that's two of the skills you brought into the job. Yeah, it's I've, I've told this to other folks before that... Um, I think my number one th thing or skill is just to be able to trust my gut mm -hmm. and to know what's right when it's right and what's wrong, yeah. if, you know, if something's going on or whatnot. But And having, you know, a department or a team that also supports that is really nice because I've seen social media managers and social teams that are built very differently where yeah. there's multiple levels of approvals for, for posts. And I know that I couldn't work like that because yeah. it's so regimented that you lose that sort of personal touch and you also don't have the fluidity to make those judgments as you need to. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, the one thing that, that I think everybody either learns the hard way or they know instinctively is that audiences today have a really, really well-refined BS meter. Yeah. And if it seems like it's gone through a lot of approvals, they're going to know that and they're not going to find it credible. So it's good that you have a team that trusts you to sort of speak with a human voice. Mm -hmm. So here's what I want to focus on. Normally, I have people talk about their organization, but between Brian and Stacy, we've been over that <laughs> ground pretty well. I want to talk as candidly as you're comfortable about the work of a social media manager. Yeah. Because one of the things I really appreciate about you, Amber, is how open you are about saying, you know, hey, if you're looking at this as a career path, some of it is really great and fulfilling, and there's parts that are really difficult, you know. And, yeah. and let's talk about, again, whatever you're comfortable with. How do you describe the work that you do to people who maybe are aspiring to move into that career path? Um, it is both, like, the best thing that I've ever done and also the worst. Like, uh -huh. I... I am very open, especially on my Twitter account, with the the bad side of social. And I do that for a very specific reason. And that's because when I was first starting out, I'd already been with the Greyhound organization for over a year. Yeah. So I had a decent handle on kind of those experiences. And I still remember the first time I read an article by a social media manager that they were talking about the negatives of the industry yeah. and the stress that can come along with it and the constant sort of feeling that you should be online all the mm -hmm. time, that you yeah. can't disconnect. 
And I remember feeling so astounded that other people felt like that too. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm not alone. And that, that feeling of community and that these are shared experiences was immediately something that I wanted to talk about. Because again, like there's this very glamorized approach to social media and I've gotten it from people and it's some of it is joking and others is a little more serious where you get a lot of the oh so you oh you work in social media so you're just on Instagram all day yeah. or you're just on Twitter yeah. all day and it's you're having fun all day yeah, yeah it's and it is very fun I've never been more creatively fulfilled and there are jobs when I'm or days when I'm on the job and I feel like I stop what I'm doing and I think to myself god I feel so lucky mm-hmm. I love this job. I'm passionate about this job. It's amazing. And I can't think of anything else I would ever want to do. But on the flip side of that, there's a lot of, you know, unfortunate things that happen on social media. And a lot of people don't quite talk about those where, you know, you can get nude photos in your Facebook inbox Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that's, it's, what do you do? Right. Or you've got people who are angry and they don't realize that it's just one person who are fielding those angry things. You know, you're yelling at somebody on Twitter, but do you really know who you're yelling at? Yeah. Uh, Or, you know, people that you work with, they're not doing it maliciously, but they might think that they know your job better than you. So they're oftentimes trying to make suggestions without seeing the whole picture. And it can just be so frustrating where it's like, I wish I could just be trusted to do my job. Yeah, Well, it goes back to what we talked about earlier, because it's the first really, um, you know, the the first mass media vehicle where the audience is is a participant in it. Mm -hmm. That means everybody has experience in it. That means anybody with a Facebook account thinks they know how to do your job. Yes. My my favorite thing is it's like just because you don't or just because you know how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich doesn't mean you're a chef. Yeah. Just because you know how to drive a car doesn't mean you're a professional race car driver. Yeah, it's, for sure. There's casual use and there's professional use, and they're so very, very yeah. different. So. Well, and, and one of the things, again, in the class that I think you've probably echoed or, or at least heard me say is that, you know, it's almost like the things that qualify you to be good at social media personally disqualify you from being good at it professionally. Yes. <laughs> you know, if, if you're used to everything you post, you know, being... Um, you know, cheered by your friends, wait Mm -hmm. until you post something that's bad news on social media. So, you know, and there's another aspect too that you've talked about candidly that I really appreciate, and it's the difficulty of turning it off Mm -hmm. because, you know, almost every job in 2021, there's always something else you could do at the end of the day. But you're always kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. Always. Um, And I would even say that it's gotten worse in the last year uh, with COVID and the development of the pandemic and the impact that it's had on every industry, not just higher ed. Um, and there, there's things that, that happen just internally that can also be causing issues. And there was a, a period last year where I was actually so stressed out about checking our notifications that I was on the verge of tears for like days oh, just geez. because it was, it was so much and I never knew if it was going to be good or bad. Yeah. And you were hoping and praying that it wasn't bad. And you add that to just the default of the job too, is that it's the first thing you check in the morning and it's the last thing you check at night. Yeah. Uh, I've, not ever taken a vacation where I've not checked our notifications or been emailed about something that's been going wrong. And that's nothing to say for my team, but it's, 
you don't turn it off because you physically can't. And yeah. it's not as easy as just putting your out of office message and scheduling some posts and saying, I'll see you guys in a week. Yeah. It is truly something that even if you are out of the office, it is such a bad habit that I find myself on the weekends, yeah. you know, at 10 p.m. at night, I just go into our Facebook and I check our notifications. I make yeah. sure we don't have any messages. I make yeah. sure nothing's going wrong because one of the worst things as a social media manager somebody's going on a rant yeah, on Twitter sure. and you don't see it until Monday. And yeah. it's like, you don't want to leave those things just in case. So, and I once called it um, Schrodinger's notifications. <laughs> you don't know if it's going to be good or bad, but the anxiety is going to make you check it anyways, yeah. even if you're off the clock. Yeah. So. Well, and it sort of exacerbates some of the social problems with social media. Yeah. You know, I, I work in the social media space, not nearly as, as deep as you are in it. Um, but I had the luxury of deactivating Facebook in January again oh, and saying, I'm just going to leave. Um, you don't have that luxury. Unfortunately not. No. And, and I wish that I did. And I've thought about it because I am one of the few social media managers. I think I'm actually not a big fan of Facebook. Mm -hmm. I like as a company, I mean, not just a platform, but yeah. I feel like they're doing some not so great things. Sure. And I would love to just get rid of it so that yeah. I'm not contributing to it or that I don't even have to see it. But if I did that, I would still have to make a, a dummy profile or an yeah, empty profile sure. to manage our pages. And it's, it's frustrating because we're exempt from that possibility. Yeah. So, so where, where, if you don't mind sharing, where are you active personally on social media, knowing that this dominates your professional life? Yeah. Do you have time for, you know, the more personal end of it? And if so, where do you spend your time? Uh, it's a little bit scattered uh, and it just depends on what I want to do. Yeah. So if I want to complain, I go to Twitter and yep. that's where I, you know, <laughs> yeah. make my funny tweets about my job being frustrating. Your social media manager bingo <laughs> came up with. I, I yes. like that one a lot. Yeah. That would, and that still gets like yeah. likes and retweets on it. It's still resonating with people, which I find very, very funny and yeah. satisfying. But uh, if I just want sort of mindless entertainment, I spend a lot of time on TikTok yep. to the point where I actually had to uh, delete it from my device because I was averaging like four hours a day. Wow. Okay. It was a lot, yeah. but it's designed to suck you in. Yeah, sure. Um, but in terms of keeping in touch with friends and stuff, I spend a lot of time on Instagram because I'm lucky that I don't have a lot of people who get super heavy on Instagram. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of friends who do some really interesting things. Um, one in particular that I really enjoyed was this was well before COVID, but I had a friend who took a road trip with her Greyhound actually, and she took it across the country and yeah. they slept in a mattress in the back of her car. Yeah. And she updated where they were going yeah. through the country with stops and stuff. And it almost felt like I was there with her. And it was so fun to see in such a casual, non-performative way that it was just like, hey, we're at this really cool rest stop in the middle of Nebraska. Here's yeah. my dog. And it was just, it's those sorts of things where I feel like uh, I've, cultivated my social media accounts at the personal level to be very, very intimate. I don't follow influencers. I don't follow a lot of businesses. Yeah. It's just the people that I actually know physically in real life. Yeah. Um, and I think that helps. Well, and it's, it's funny listening to you talk because it's so similar to the approach that I've taken, you know, where Instagram to me is light, but mm -hmm. even though it's lighter, the same time I de deactivated Fastbit Facebook, I said, I'm going to unfollow a bunch of accounts on Instagram. Yep. And I unfollowed every business that wasn't a client and every person I didn't have some real world connection to, mm -hmm. celebrities and stuff like that. And now 
my you know my scroll is like literally 15 seconds <laughs> yeah. okay i've seen everything um and you know it's just there there are platforms that are much more anxiety inducing it's one of the reasons why i like linkedin because linkedin is sorry linkedin but linkedin <laughs> is kind of boring you're not yeah. going to get a lot of drama um and you can get in and out of it pretty quickly and go on with the rest of your life uh, as opposed to other platforms where i didn't have the discipline to do that mm -hmm. so yeah so let's talk about some of the positives what are yeah. some things that you've experienced that you're proud of or work that you did that you said, yeah, I can point to this making a difference? Uh, I think the biggest thing is something that I did last year when COVID initially hit the U.S. and a lot of uh, universities started going remote was right around mid-March. Yep. Um, and it was a really frustrating time for a lot of people because there were so many things happening. We were, you know, in between government-mandated quarantines, shutdowns, whatever we want to call them. And places were closing, stores were closing, there were curfews and restrictions and everything was happening all at once and information was changing by the day. Obviously, Indiana Tech wasn't immune to that. And so we ended up sending our students home for spring break and then they never came back. Mm -hmm. And everything changed so rapidly, I want to say in the course of like two or three weeks where they thought they were coming back. And then all of a sudden it's like, nope, you're done for the whole semester, yeah. so we'll mail you your stuff, sorry. Yeah, because the game changed along yeah, the way. Yeah, it was, it was so fast. And the one thing that I realized with the situation as a whole was that a lot of people were going to be looking for answers. I knew I was looking for answers. And so I was trying to think, what does my audience want again? And yeah. the one thing I kept coming back to was answers. Yeah. And so... I essentially made it my mission to turn our social media platforms into a source of information. Yeah. And another thing with social is one of the, the beautiful things about it is that you're able to go where the people are. Mm -hmm. You're not forcing them to come to you yeah. like with a website sure. or, you know, some other venue where they have to seek you out. They're already on social. So if they're following you, you've got a direct link to them. So I wanted to take advantage of that. And I also wanted to fulfill that need that I knew was there. And so I kind of took it upon myself to answer as many questions as I could. Yeah. And I actually tallied it up last month. And over the course of, I think, three months is I answered over 100 individual questions. Those, And that's not including duplicates because a lot of them were duplicates. But I answered every single one, including the duplicates, by either publicly answering it and or privately messaging people. Yeah. Um, I held three separate Instagram Ask Me Anything sessions yeah. with no even like specific topic. Yeah. It was ask us what you're yeah. confused about. Ask us what you need to and I will find you the answer. Uh, I helped to put together a composite like or a compilation document of resources for students going online things that could yeah. help them we did a facebook live q a session with uh the coaches and you know figures on campus and i essentially for about six months made it my mission to get as much information as possible out to our audiences and that audience included not only students but parents and families and i started to get a lot of comments back specifically from parents saying thank you. Mm -hmm. And I didn't go into it like looking for thanks. I just knew I want answers. And I'm sure if I were a student, I would be confused about what's going on. So I'm going to try to make this as easy as possible because if they don't know who to go to to ask about returning textbooks or how they're going to get their stuff back from their dorm 
or what they can do, you know, if they still live in Fort Wayne but want to come to campus to study because they don't have internet at their house. Yeah. There's a whole slew of questions that they were going to have that they weren't going to know who to go to. And so I could figure it out probably a lot easier than they could. Yeah. So I made myself that person and I made myself available. And it made a big difference to a lot of people. And that was something that kind of offset the stress from it in a really great way. Yeah, and I, observing that from the outside looking in, it's one of the best things I saw was the transparency in that. It was kind of like, let's not pretend this is something it isn't. Let's use, for example, Instagram stories just Mm -hmm. to get questions out there um, to to really crowdsource what are the problems. Let's get answers out there. And that was... You know, really, really laudable the work that you did there, Thank and you. something. And I think it's really reflective, and I mean this very genuinely. What I see with Indiana Tech social media presence is a is a different level of transparency, and I think some of that is uh, the right team, and and that includes you know the, the president Einoff, you know, doing things like going on Instagram stories and talking about hurting his knee and being yeah. you know, very open about, hey, this isn't great, but I'm going to make the best of it. Whereas, you know, a lot of university presidents have to have that veneer and everything's great. And, you know, he was optimistic about it, yeah. but he still, you know, had had some knee problems and was honest <laughs> about it. Yeah, he's, he, he really has been incredibly helpful to set the tone because I will never forget the, when I came on in 2018, one of the first things that uh, my creative director told me was that I was really going to like President Einolf because his first year when he had the new student orientation for our traditional day students is he stood on stage and he pulled out his cell phone and he gave all of the freshmen and their parents his personal cell yeah. phone. And he said, if you guys have any problems, if you guys have any questions, here's how you reach me. Yeah. And I think that sets the tone that yeah. it's not, it's, you know, nobody's too good to answer even the smallest question. And um, I think with my job, I was in a really great position. And another thing that about this is later on in the summer when we're coming back to reopen for fall, they had set up a an email. It was like COVID at IndianaTech.edu mm-hmm. for questions. And I was on a committee and the committee was like, oh, we only got three questions this week. I think we're doing good. And (laughs) I had to unmute myself. And I'm like, I got 35 on Instagram last week. So if we could add those to that list, that would be great. Uh, And they were astounded. They're like, oh. And so I had them, you know, typed up and I showed them. So even then there was kind of this, I don't want to call it a disconnect, but just a sense of awareness about where these people are going for information. And some of that is probably because I set myself up to do that. But it's very helpful to be able to harness it, to be able to funnel it into the place that it needs to be. Well, and it's, if it's used well, it's an ongoing focus group. I mean, yeah. it's an opportunity for the institution to surface what are some of the weak spots? Mm-hmm. What are some of the things that could be better? And to know what's on the mind of students. So, yeah. yeah. All right, so let's talk now um, about some of the stuff you're working on. Obviously, there's the day-to-day implementation work, but what are some of the big things that you're looking at either long range or, you know, thinking about the brand? What are some things that are either keeping you up at night or making you excited or both? Um, honestly, ever since I came onto the job, and this was really goes back to something I said before, is I've grown, I grew up, I think we moved to Indiana, I want to say in the year 2000, 2002, somewhere around there. I grew up for 15 years without knowing that Indiana Tech had a traditional campus. Yeah. I was very, very well versed with the College of Professional Studies and the online programs and the adult programs because they're everywhere. They're online. There's a huge 
marketing presence dedicated to those, but how could I grow up 30 miles away from this campus and not even realize that it existed? So that was my one big sort of push is to recognize that in a way that it hadn't been done before. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm always looking for ways to not only capitalize our traditional stuff, but our CPS too. But it's also, it's a little bit more of a creative outlet to do stuff for our traditional students, which is what makes me excited. And in the last year and a half is I've launched a Giphy channel Mm -hmm. to put out some branded GIFs for Instagram stories and Snapchat and stuff. And we just hit 2 million views on our GIF channel. And that's something that's like, I call it the gift that keeps on giving because (laughs) it's so easy to do, but it's a way to get our brand in front of people who either might not know about it or who want it, but couldn't get it before. And so I'm always excited about, you know, new GIF ideas that we can do, you know, commencements coming up this year. I'm already brainstorming specific commencement GIFs and to me, that almost takes the place of, you know, your old Facebook filters mm-hmm. or Snapchat filters and stuff because it's something that can be done so easily with no cost. Yeah. It's, you know, two, two million views on something and we spent no money. Yeah. Uh, so that's a, that's a big one that I'm excited about. But also just harnessing more student-focused content, whether that's the something that the students make themselves or that they want. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm trying to do less of, this is what I want to give you, and more of, what do you want from us? Mm -hmm. And so those are, I think, my my big two. Yeah. Well, and so question, are you going to walk graduation yourself? Yeah, I'm going to work it, and I'm going to walk it at the same time. So we're we're actually talking about if I wanted to strap a GoPro. I was going to say, maybe multiple GoPros. Yeah, Yeah, we're, obviously, I work very closely with our photographer and videographer and just the other day I said so we're gonna have an opportunity for some pretty cool point of view stuff oh yeah absolutely this is not just taking a selfie on stage with President Eidolf we could do whatever you want and yeah. so we're we're talking um, we're gonna make two videos our traditional longer form video yep. and then a, spe- a special social cut for for commencement and I think that that's gonna be something that will be exciting to do that we haven't done before and um, we've also something I started last year is, that went over really, really well is a slow motion confetti booth. Okay. Yeah, gives, I remember that. Yeah. yeah, and we wanted to do that at commencement last year, but it got canceled. So uh, I want to do it this year too. So not only will I be covering it for work, walking in it, but I'm also going to try to run this <laughs> slow motion confetti booth. So. so so very much the example of you can't ever get away from your job <laughs> even when you're nope. graduating. Yeah, okay. Um, well, Amber, let's switch to the sort of the 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 speed round of the show where I ask three questions that are similar to the ones we talked about, but um, I'm going to spin it a little bit differently for you. The first one I'll keep consistent about career path, especially if you're talking to someone who's thinking of going to it into a career in social media management, what's your best piece of advice? Uh, oh, that's, that's tough because I think that it's going to depend on a lot of factors, but I would ask them one question. Instead of giving advice, I would ask them one question, which is, why do you want to do this? Mm-hmm. Uh, if it is for the fame and the fortune and the glory, that's Run away. probably the wrong <laughs> yeah. answer. Yeah. Um, if you know, you're doing it because you think that you could do it better or because you're fascinated by the platforms mm-hmm. or the evolution of it, you have to have your reason. And if your why isn't good enough, you're going to burn out really, yeah. really fast. Because sure. the only thing that's kept me doing this, you know, even in the short time in the last four years now that I've done it is the fact that I do deeply love it. Mm -hmm. And if that wasn't there, if I was just doing it to get popular or doing it for virality, I think I would have burnt out by now. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. Second question, and typically I ask people to describe their organization briefly, but how do you describe the work of a social media manage, manager in a concise way? Oh, um, that's even tougher. <laughs> <laughs> I would probably say that it's the one way to get information out to people whether they like it or not mm -hmm. uh it's sometimes it's pretty pictures of nice things and other times it's breaking news and other times it's you know things in the middle of the night that you don't want to have to deal with it's yeah. it's anything and everything that you see on social that you might not realize is happening yeah all right so I'm going to throw another curveball at you because typically I ask people for some kind of <laughs> wisdom and you've already given us some really good stuff around the real work of being a social media manager. So what is your, what is one of your favorite pieces of content that's out there that doesn't get enough appreciation? It could be a social media account. It could be a video. It could be a GIF you've created. It could be just about anything. Does anything come to mind? Oh, honestly, I think that short form video yeah. is probably my favorite. And it's my favorite because it's hard to do and people don't realize how hard it is. And I think that's also why platforms like Vine were really, really popular is yeah. because you can do a lot of really great, really funny stuff and not a lot of time. And it's why TikTok works. Uh, but I feel like other platforms, you know, Facebook specifically, YouTube, they're always pushing for longer form videos. You know, you get rewards for doing three minute long videos, but nobody sits through those. Yeah. If you can clearly and concisely get your message across in like 15 seconds, I yeah. think that's amazing. And that's talent when it comes to producing oh, sure. video. I feel like that's kind of one that's been overlooked a lot. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and it's it's pretty common, but that doesn't mean it's easy. And yeah. There's a lot of creative folks out there. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Amber, we have successfully kept you off your phone. I know. For nearly an hour. So congratulations. <laughs> it's a new and record. Part of you is probably freaking out about what's going on when you get back to it. So we'll let you get back to it. But thank you very much for sharing your story. Really appreciate the work you do for Indiana Tech and how transparent you are in sharing the good and the bad that comes with it. Thank you for having me. And thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back next week with another great guest and we hope you'll join us then.